It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports. Joined by myself, Ethan Kershaw, alongside with Alex Maurer to bring you all things Real Salt Lake throughout this week. Uh, We've got a lot to jump into, but first of all, Alex, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, it was a draw. We could do better, but, you know, probably a deserved result. So I'm doing good. Not bad. Not great, but good. What about yourself, Ethan? I'm I'm doing pretty well as well. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that result as well. Um, before we dive on into the episode today, it will be a really fun one. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to explore. Make sure that you follow the Hive Sports on Twitter. You can find them at the Hive Sports. It's where all of our podcast episodes are posted and all of the news about uh, Utah sports really is posted. Um, and then also make sure to hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw 9 and you can find Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Hit us up with any of your questions you have. You maybe you want to ask, have us ask to players. Um, I attempted to do that tonight. Didn't quite get it <laughs> in because there wasn't enough time. But um, let us know if you have questions. We'll do our best to get them asked. Um, hey, I did pull it said, off for one fan. I did get a question off for Cody on Twitter. So, Cody, if you're listening to this, I put in good work for you. I'm also, find me on Twitter because I'm rocking a new huh. profile picture. It's a real professional looking headshot taken by my friend Ricky. So, yeah, make sure to follow me on Twitter to appreciate my blurry, whatever reason, Twitter profile pictures are like always blurry. Apparently, yeah. I looked it up and mm-hmm. I like, can't fix it. What a bummer. But Weird. yeah, go add me for my new profile picture. And that's all yeah. I got. <laughs> I, I noticed that nice profile picture, Thanks, by the man. way. I wanted to add that. Um, also, want to add one more thing as well. Um, it was nice to actually find out this week that our, our follower count and like the people who listen to the podcast is a bit higher than what I think I had originally thought. So it's definitely more than the two <laughs> that I thought it was being my yes. grandma and my aunt. So, yeah. <laughs> and my girlfriend. She listens. So I guess three. But yeah, that was nice to see. Yes, we just want to throw a massive thank you out to all the people that listen to this podcast, everyone who makes it possible. A huge, massive reason why we keep trying to work so hard consistently and consistently pump out content every single week. A huge reason is because of all of you that listen. We love giving you guys good content and stuff to listen to. So that being said... Time's the most valuable thing on earth. As Lil Wayne (laughs) says, if you could buy time, every store would sell it. So shout out Aggie fan Dan for bringing us on board to the Hive Sports and yeah, glad to be here. Of course, absolutely. And uh, speaking of time, let's go ahead and jump on into the uh, the bulk of the episode today. Let's go ahead and start off with the first segment. We've got our pod trivia making its return on the show today. Alex. I've got a good one for up. you, Ethan. Hit, hit me up with a question. Let's do it. I guess a little preface. Have you ever been to a game at Dick Sporting Goods Park in Colorado? Um, I mean... Fortunately, I have not. Okay, then this one might be more for the fans out there at home than have been to a game. But Ethan, we're going to see how you do. All All right. right, Are you ready? Yep, let's go for it. When taking the most direct route by road, which pathway is longer in distance? Traveling from the Colorado State Capitol to Dick's Sporting Goods Park, home of the Colorado Rapids, or traveling from the Utah State Capitol to Rio Tinto Stadium, home of Real Salt Lake? Hmm. Okay, well, Utah State Capital to Rio Tinto, I would estimate would be 
roughly a half hour or so. And I have no idea where the Colorado State Capitol is located in regards to the, the Dick Sporting Goods and, Stadium. And just for clarity, I mean miles traveled, not necessarily distance okay. or I guess time in a car. Miles Which traveled. Is further by miles. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to guess that you're asking this question because the Colorado Stadium is like slightly... I guess removed from like the the city area, and so I'm gonna have to say the Colorado one is farther away. I did a little double move on you. I did include <laughs> this question for that reason. It gets a bad rap for being out in the boonies, but actually, the Utah State Capitol to Rio Tinto Stadium is a 15.3 mile drive. Colorado State Capitol to Dick Sporting Goods Park, 9.2. They are both, funnily enough, around a 21 minute drive. So. Next time you make fun of Colorado for having their stadium way far out in the boonies, just remember that ours is actually further. All right. Well, that's good to know. I guess the more you know. <laughs> Thank uh... you for uh, indulging me <laughs> in that one, Ethan. I got real creative with that one this morning, so I'm glad you I'm glad you put in a good effort. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Of course. No problem. Thank you very much for that. Let's go ahead and jump on now to the Monarchs Minute segment of the podcast. I think I might have a little bit to contribute to this. So I, I was going to say. <laughs> we might go over a minute today, but Alex, let's go ahead and get you started on the Monarch Minute. I've got my stopwatch going. Ready, set, go. All right. I'll just do the facts and figures. The Monarchs tied slash loss on PKs to the Vancouver Whitecaps 2, with both Monarchs' regulation goals coming from forward draft pick Pedro Fonseca. The Monarchs' average age of starting roster was 18.7 last week, which was the youngest in MLS Next Pro, which is something that the coaching staff takes pride in. I asked Hamsun Olave, and that's what he said. The Monarchs also officially signed 18-year-old midfielder and Utah native Christian Nidegger, who trained with the RSL first team on Thursday. He started as attacking mid for the Monarchs against Tacoma and as well against the Vancouver Whitecaps and was generally great to interview in Monarchs pressers. It seems like a really good guy. He's a Utah native and grew up 25 minutes from the Harriman practice facility and mentioned over and over that that was a blessing. And he's one of the few guys on the team that has real Utah ties, the others being Bodie Davis and Jeffrey Dusnip, who, Jeffrey Dusnip, is also healthy and good to go, according to Hamison Olave. So hopefully he will be making Monarchs appearances sooner rather than later. Ethan, that is all I have, but what can you contribute to our Monarchs Minute? Well, that was a minute, so I'm going to take it a little over a minute. You um, earned it. You made the drive out to Harriman, so you tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Christian Neidegger, he played very well in this game. Um, looked like a bit of a more of experienced player in this one. Took a lot of hard hits, unfortunately. So we'll have to like monitor his health and see how he's still doing. Um, but this game was actually a crazy one. You mentioned the 2-2 result. Um, the Monarchs actually scored first in this game, up 1-0. Um, then the game was tied, and then... The uh, the Vancouver team actually went up in this game. Two headers from Aguilera. Um, I can't remember his first name, but Aguilera was the guy who scored both the goals for Vancouver, um, both off headers. And the second one went off the post and then rolled in. So um, it was a bit fortunate for them. And there was also a point then where the Monarchs go down a man. So unfortunately, Ethan Zamora, who was playing right back in the game for the Monarchs, gets his second yellow card on. Honestly, I thought it was a bit of a flop of a foul. On the the Vancouver player Ooh, gets a second yellow, take. gets a red card. Unfortunately, leaves the game, and the Monarchs are down to ten men, and they come back and tie this game in uh, in stoppage time. Honestly, I think is what it was. Um, it was either stoppage time or really late towards the end of the game. But um, in this one, near the very end of the game, they lobbed this ball over to uh, to Taron Williams, who was actually fantastic in this game he had a really really good game in this one um just curls a, an absolute beautiful shot just up off the crossbars a really close shot but fantastic idea falls right to 
like like we mentioned, Christian Neidegger, who's there to swing and take the shot. But as he swings, he gets taken out in the box. And there's a penalty. And as you mentioned, Pedro Fonseca steps up, takes it, buries it. It goes into penalties. And unfortunately, the Monarchs did very poorly in the PK shootout. Um, I believe they only converted one PK. And Vancouver did okay. There was a, a save by Gavin Beavers at one point, giving life to the Monarchs. Um, but they unfortunately were not able to finish the job. But hey, I that's asked, the point, right? Of yeah. these penalty kick shootouts. Yeah, I, I asked Robinson about it, and he said, you know, it's something we've been practicing, but I think that they might have to practice a little bit more <laughs> oh, on those PK shootouts. Dark. And honestly, I think they might need to, like, I'm I'm not trying to be rude or anything. I'm just saying that I think they might need to practice those PK situ- situations and kind of game type situations. I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. But um, I don't know, tr- maybe try and get like a crowd of people there, because I feel like <laughs> when people are watching you, there's a certain amount of pressure that gets added on. What and was I feel the like atmosphere they, like? Um, it was it was actually electric. There was a lot of people there. It looked good um, on, on TV. I mean, you know, yeah. the broadcast is unfortunately not the most watchable <laughs> thing in the world, but that is not right. the team's fault. That is due to league decisions. But it did look like a genuinely pretty like amped up crowd. Yeah, it wasn't completely full, but there was a lot of noise, a lot of fans. It was a, a really fun that. game, awesome. a lot of energy. And in the PK shootout was fun because there were tons of fans behind the, the I guess, let's see, it's the west side. So behind the west side goal, just like watching it, like the PK shootout extremely intently. So I think that added a little bit of pressure. Monarchs, unfortunately, weren't able to finish under that pressure um, and lose this game in the PK shootout. We talked to Pedro Fonseca after this game. And he said, man, these guys are willing to fight. Um, I asked him about, you know, how they were able to come back. And he said, they're willing to fight. Unfortunately, sometimes we just need to learn to control our emotions and really get more grounded. Um, There was a point in this game where a fight broke out, actually. Um, It was uh, Taron Williams and Yekison Suba who were kind of the root of that fight. Um, After that, things kind of calmed down. Right? You've just described two teammates. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, because Suba and, uh, and Taron Williams were, were fighting with players on Mon- or on God, the on Vancouver God. team, well, but um, yeah, but but you know Pedro Fonseca, congrats to him for getting his goals. Very happy, very excited about the moment, and he says he's confident these guys can get three points in the next game. So we're looking forward to a win next week. And Hamison Olave, I asked him about this game, and I said, "How proud are you of this team?" He said, "Made me very proud having these young guys on the team. You know, these these seventeen and eighteen year old guys." And how they played, he said, it just really made me believe in them. And so, know, you know, lots of great outlook, lots of uh, um, awesome things to look forward to for the Monarchs. Obviously, this is the first home game of the season, but it's looking like they have a good chance to do a lot better throughout right. the rest of the season. So, yeah, we'll and, see. And we mentioned at the top that they kind of lost slash tied this game. Yeah. That is because since the league refuses to acknowledge <laughs> ties, you get one point for a tie in regulation. If you win the penalty kick shootout, as Vancouver yes. did, you get two points. So we walk away mm-hmm. with one, Vancouver walks away with two. Just wanted to explain that for anybody out there listening and perhaps confused. But Ethan, I yes. think that is our longest Monarchs Minute, and I got to say, they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's your And uh, you deserve Monarch it for going all the minutes. way out to Harriman and covering that game. Good work. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I, uh, you know, I, I like to think this is a partnership that we have. You know, we, we play off each other pretty well. And so if I go do one thing, you got to do another thing. So, Love I mean, it. you watch the first 25 minutes of this game against Colorado. And I think that leaves a perfect segue into this game against Colorado. Uh, Lots and lots of injuries was kind of the story coming into this one. How would the team look? How would they get the feel for this game? They fielded a team. They fielded a lineup and 
the team actually did pretty well. Alex, they what were your did, thoughts on this game? They did feel the team and do pretty well. And as you said, I watched the first 25 minutes and then I watched the remaining minutes too. It was a whole, it was a whole <laughs> game I watched where not a whole lot happened. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, I think it is, they, they played fine. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's about as will, as far as I'm willing to go on the positivity spectrum. However, you have to acknowledge the absolute massacre of injuries we have faced going into this week. I think the list tops out at about 11, 10, 11 guys. Sounds Nick right. Beasler, we forgot to mention in the Monarchs minute, he went 70 minutes for them. So he should be yep. hopefully back in the RSL mix, hopefully coming up next week. But yep. other than that, it is still an extremely lengthy injury list. And you, you can't separate those two things. You know, the performance tonight and the injury list, you, the team will never use it as an excuse. Pablo and the guys and every post game presser say that it's not an excuse, but I'm willing to give them a little bit of leeway and use it for myself when, you know, describing this game as a little bit of an excuse. There were just so few guys and we're playing for the first time with kind of a four, three, three where Scott Caldwell was kind of the base with Everton and Ruiz playing a little bit further forward, kind of as, as ball winners, but there wasn't a real 10. There wasn't a whole lot of chance creation on the wing. You've got Justin Miram, who's coming off of playing with the Iraq national team on Tuesday, flying home, whatever the broadcast said, like 16 hours on Wednesday. And in the post-game presser, you asked him a great question. He said, I have been, you know, just the time difference is like 10 hours. He's been up at mm-hmm. like 3 a.m., 5 a.m. So he's been he's been going through, and he somehow finds the start tonight. And I think that says more about the roster position and current health status than it does about Justin Merrim, if I'm being completely honest. I think there's just no yeah. other real options. But he played a decent shift on the wing, but just didn't provide a whole lot of creativity. And I don't think you can really blame him for that. Michael Chang on the opposite side put in a shift, but he has regressed, in my opinion, quite a bit since the first two games where he looked really stellar, honestly, to start the year. So I'm kind of disappointed to see him maybe cool off just a little bit. I think that concussion in New England probably didn't help. Mm-hmm. And Sergio Cordova, or excuse me, I was so frustrated hearing that on the broadcast all night, and then I go and do it right here. Sergio Cordova <laughs> yes. comes out and played okay. Yeah. I don't know. You've been more of a Cordova truther than I have to this point. And I think he probably should have earned a penalty. I thought that was a foul, in my opinion, in the first half. Yeah. But other than that, he didn't have a whole lot of link up play. He did draw fouls fairly consistently, which was nice. But as kind of a as he was pitched as kind of a big man, he's not really all that great at hold up play and connecting with passers, you know, running in behind. So from that perspective, a little bit underwhelmed, but on the whole, obviously a great performance. And the standout for me was the player to watch Haziel Orozco from uh, my camp last week on the podcast. I think we might have, have to get into him, you know, quite a bit here and I'll, I'll let you go back and review the game from, from your standpoint. But for me, Haziel's the man of the match. And I, don't even think it's necessarily all that close. He 17 year old RSL Academy product getting his first start for the first team played last week, one half in Kansas city. And I thought he was, hmm, I'm debating if I'm willing to say it, but I think I am. I Just think he's it. the best player on the field. That's- is that too much? Is that, is that too bombastic? I've been, no. I've been tooting the Haziel Orozco horn. That sounds bad. I've been, praising Haziel Orozco on this podcast since his monarch days and so I like I I feel like I have a personal stake in this and I feel like he like I have to defend his performances from a a very personal perspective but I truly think he was yeah I'm thinking I'm thinking through it I think he was the best player on the field 
I think the only guy close to him. Hmm. I don't know. Marcelo got beat. I have a guy that's that's close with him. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Then maybe we can compare the two in a in a kind of battle royale fashion. First of all, I think we need to change something on this podcast. Okay, I'm listening. So live editing on air. Let's hear it. I think it needs to. I think it needs. I I need to start the podcast. I think like this. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Haziel Orozco podcast. You've got My a great name point. is Ethan Kershaw, and this is I would you know, not. I, I would not fight you on that even. A little bit. <laughs> this this is the Haziel Orozco podcast. We will sing his praises all day long because he did fantastic in this game. I think there's one guy that can kind of compete to maybe get a man of the match shout in this one, and it was Andrew Brody. I thought you were um, Scott Caldwell. But Andrew, no, that works for me. Andrew Brody works for me. Caldwell played well, um, but I, I think that Brody had a lot of instances in this game where he was right place, right time. Like if he hadn't been in that spot, like there were a couple times where if he wasn't there, there would have been a goal scored like two different times. And, and he's probably playing on Haziel's side of the defense. So that yeah. is, you know, also probably a very important thing to point out that Haziel yeah. had, you know, a very steady guy next to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked Andrew Brody's performance in this game. Um, you mentioned Haziel Orozco. Let's let's dive in a little bit more and talk about him. Um, yeah, just, the, just oh, sorry, sorry, I'll go, take it away. But the one yeah, thing I really want to hammer home is that for a teenager in his first appearance, he was yeah. not scared at all to play out of the back. Mm-hmm. There was one moment, I believe it was the mm, 60 or 70 some odd minute where a ball's kind of bouncing around. He collects it six yards from goal. An attacker is barreling down on him. He fakes a pass out to the right. No look pass straight up to Dami and connects a beautiful little pass out of the back. That is something I do not know that there is another player on the roster. Sands, Justin glad that pulls off that pass. It was, it was awesome. It was no look. It was probably a 30 yard pass directly to Dami's feet under pressure five yards away from his own goal. It was it was awesome. And he had another one early in the match too, where he's kind of took a ball out of the air. One V one plays it yeah. out of the back, finds guys feet. This is something that I have complained about. Maybe isn't the right word, but have harped on in Eric Holt, who I've nicknamed Eric kickball far Holt, because <laughs> that, that seems to be what he does very often. And I yeah. want to be sure that I give him his praise where it is due because Eric Holt defensively has been sensational for us, you know, through this first part of the year. And it's a real bummer that he has a very long-term injury, unfortunately, but he can't pass the way Haziel Orozco can pass. And I think that takes Haziel's ceiling to national team status. Yeah. yeah. I said it. He's a 17 year old, but he played with the Mexican national team in For the sure. lead up to the gold cup. Didn't make the roster, but was in there to get minutes, you know, in training. And I think these little things like being able to pass out of the back under pressure as a 17 year old in a rivalry game on the road. Are you kidding me? It was awesome. And then he had one moment defensively that Dunny talked about a lot where Diego Rubio kind of posts him up, yep. tries to spin around him. Haziel stays absolute touch tight the whole way, puts in a tackle, forces the shot wide. He, he was awesome tonight. He was awesome. And I think it's unfortunate that he probably doesn't see these minutes unless four guys in front of him go down at center back. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I think to me, he is an example of what our youth can be. And obviously everyone's a different player. Not everyone's going to be as ready at 17 as he is. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if 
we never get these injuries, we probably don't see Haziel for maybe a couple more months if Justin right. Glad, Kapelhoff, and Holt stay healthy. Yeah. And that, to me, is an issue systemically that I think we can address with guys like Justin Miram tonight. Justin Miram came on and he put in a good shift. Mm-hmm. But he's coming off a midweek flight of you know double-digit hours. Can he really provide us more than a Chris Garcia or a Bodie Davis can? I don't know. I think hey, it's worth it to play those young guys in that spot to find out. But what do you think? Let's not forget that he drew the penalty tonight. Um, sure, you know, he, he didn't have a ton of playmaking moments, but he had the one that we needed. And it was him, you know. Uh, maybe if it's somebody else, they might not make the same play. Um, but, th- but that's a different thing completely. Um, but you're, you're right about Haziel Orozco. And it's unfortunate that we had to have so many injuries to get to this point. But I think that if Haziel keeps playing this way, you you called it. He very well might take a starting position on this team, especially for playing a three in the back or three center yeah, backs totally, in the back. Totally, absolutely. Like Eric Holt may just be gone out of the equation. Like Eric Holt's gonna be gone for months. I think yeah. we need to reiterate that his injury is. I think it was described I mean, as Pablo is month to month. So yeah. that one, you know, I think this is Haziel's spot for. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's gonna be his to lose when people come healthy again. I agree with that. Yep. I think that Holt could maybe not start a game the rest of the season if Haziel's healthy and playing the way he is. And right. Kapelhoff, kind of the same thing. If we get Justin Glad back, I think I think for a while Kapelhoff looks like the closest guy to returning out of he, Justin Glad, and and Eric Holt. But um, you know, I think after Justin Glad comes back, I think it's Glad, Marcelo Silva, and Haziel Orozco might be our three strongest guys if Orozco keeps playing this way. I would like to add as well, there was a crazy moment. I don't know if you saw it. If anyone else saw it, let me know. But Haziel Orozco was like up in the attack and he like got the ball. Oh, on his yes. Feet and, like, he should have shot. He should have like, taken a shot. He, he should have. He got past like two defenders and then he had like a bad pass. I think it was Sadami that yeah, just got was. cleared and was was gone. But like he totally like did over yep. two of their defenders. Like this guy looks like the complete package and he's got an amazingly bright future here at RSL. So yeah, I'm excited just about to it. Backtrack a little bit. As you were saying with injuries, both Kapelhoff and Justin Glad were described as Pablo master when being probably three to four weeks away for both of them. Okay. I was at training and saw Glad doing some very light running. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look at all close to me, which I think yeah. lines up with the three to four weeks away thing. Right. But as you said, to your point, I think that gives Haziel the time to truly make this spot his own. Yeah. And playing next to Marcelo Silva has seemed to be good for him. Those two have definitely a partnership through the first game and a half they've played together. Yeah. And I think they've been solid and I don't know that they've gotten caught out too many times. There was, you know, the goal tonight, kind of just a bad recovery, you know, positionally whose job is that to watch the late runner in off a corner kick? I don't really know. But I guess a recycled corner kick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I my biggest takeaway from this game was clearly Haziel Orozco. And I think yep. that's going to be the case for quite a long time going forward. I just don't see... I don't know. He's a young player. He's going to have his lumps. I think we have to understand that there are going to be times where we probably lose points because he makes a silly mistake. And I think we have to be okay with that. Yeah. This is the first time we... I think in a long time... We've had to play and rely consistently on a teenager, especially in such a pivotal spot as center mm-hmm. back. Yeah. I want to kind of, you know, I've been, <laughs> you know, leading the hype train for the last couple of weeks and months and especially minutes on this right. podcast for the Hazi Orozco hype train. And now yep. I'm going to have to slow it down a little bit and just <laughs> remind people that young players make silly mistakes. And there is going to be a time when we lose points and probably lose a result because of a young mistake from him. That's okay. If we want to be a selling club and we want to nurture this youth talent that we have, we have to be willing to take the lumps with the, 
amazing performances. That's just part of it. That's part of the deal. And at some point we're going to sell him for a whole bunch of money, hopefully. And that's part of the process as well. But we have to understand that he's going to, he's not going to be this. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be this player every single week, but I certainly hope he is. And I think he's got the potential, but I don't know that it will happen every single week. I just, yeah, I'm so excited for his, for what I think he can do with this team. Yeah, his prospects look really good, and we're excited to to continue to watch him. Hopefully, getting these starting spots. So he we'll also mentioned, as I'm, you know, as we're here in yeah. the after practice, Sean from Salt City FC. Which, if you're not subscribed to, you absolutely should, and check out their newsletter because they are pumping out some like ridiculously yep. good RSL coverage. Mm-hmm. Asked him about his number 99, and he says he wears it because it was the number he had as a child, and it's the number his dad wore late on in his career in Liga MX. So if you're wondering why he wears number 99, which is kind of weird in general, but also weird for a center back, that is why. So thank you, Sean, for asking him that great question. Oh, well, that should have been the trivia question. You really muffed that one up, Alex. <laughs> it was somebody else's question, so I felt bad taking it for trivia, but you're That's right, fair. I should have. That's fair. Okay, awesome. Um, moving on, you know, I guess talking about like the, the important points of this game, um, we, we talked a little bit about Justin Aram. He got fouled in the box, and then, you know, out of all people, Pablo Ruiz steps up to take the penalty and absolutely buries it, and then, you know, gets in the, the fa- faces of the fans a little bit. The fans obviously angry with him, not not happy with him. But it was a great moment for Pablo Ruiz, who hasn't scored a goal in what feels like an eternity. And so he's only it, got one other for RSL. Yep. Yep. And so I would imagine it gives him a massive confidence boost, especially playing in more of an attacking position this game. Um, he didn't like do amazing, like fantastic, but I think he did good enough in this game, obviously, to to get us a, a fair enough result and getting us a goal, um, stepping up in the penalty, a big spot like that, good for yeah. him. Um, and then time. Unfortunately, Taters was the the victim of Lalas Abubakar's strength. Kind of got manhandled by him in the box, and the cross comes in on the ground, and Abubakar puts it home, tying the game one one. That's how it ended up. I mean, yeah, from so far back, made it like a huge run forward. Good for him. And you know, I've mentioned that I I think it was Michael Barrios was the guy who crossed that in. Correct me if I'm mistaken there, but oh man, you're really asking me. But I think you're right. Um, I, I I you know what. Before I even started doing this, I think I posted something like years ago about Michael Barrios, like just destroying us. And it, it feels like every time we play him, I, I always get scared. I'm like, dude, we need somebody. We need like two people kind of keeping an eye on the guy because we had never had a fullback like that can keep up with the guy. He's just such a quick dude. He's super small. He's kind of like Plata. He's really, really quick. And so, um, you know, burned us a couple times in this game, fortunately only for one goal. And that it wasn't any more than that. But ends in 1-1. Real gets a point on the road for this game. Um, you kind of mentioned some of the other players. The attack was okay. Interesting to see Scott Caldwell, Everton, Luis, and Pablo Ruiz all playing in the same game like this. Ended up yeah, working out okay in the midfield. Um, and then McMath played a pretty good game as well. Um, overall, there's not much else for me to really comment on this game. Alex, how about you? If you were at all curious about the penalties, because going into this game, the only other player on the roster who had ever taken a penalty for RSL was Demir. He's one of one in training on Thursday. You know, I was there watching. It was very fun. A very good time to end practice. Both Pablo Ruiz and Dami took a penalty. Do you know who made theirs? I'm going to say Pablo Ruiz made his, It was right? actually Dami. Pablo no got his way. same. So I was, you know, Dami wasn't on the field when the penalty happened. So wow. I was immediately assuming that it was going to be Pablo, but I was also very worried that it was going to be Pablo because yes. I had only seen him take one very recently and he missed that one. So going forward, keep an eye on if we get a penalty, if it's Dami or Pablo taking it. Because after his in Colorado, I don't know how Pablo doesn't take them. 
that is an unsavable penalty. He put that absolutely on a postage yep. stamp in the corner. It was perfect. It was beautiful. It was his best shot. Probably. Well, not that his, his other one was an absolute beam. Yeah, score. that's true. But yeah, I didn't know he had that in him. It was stone cold. And I loved, I loved his celebration. Amp up the crowd a little bit. The Rocky Mountain Cup, in my opinion, has tapered off just a little bit in intensity. And he did yep. everything in his power in that celebration to get this rivalry back up and pumping. And I loved it. I love seeing fans flipping the bird. I don't love them <laughs> throwing trash at him, but you know. Colorado fans, man, what can you do? But I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so cool. And I want this rivalry to mean something again so bad. And I think this is a really good step forward. If he scores another goal against them when we play them next, mm, I can't wait to see him celebrate again. I loved yeah. it. I Ima- loved it. Imagine the scene. So it'll definitely become more of a rivalry. I loved it. Bring the Rocky point. Mountain Cup back to its former glory. Somebody like, I agree. Not actually hurt anybody, but somebody <laughs> put in a tough challenge that doesn't hurt anyone or keep them out for any amount of time, but rallies the fan bases up enough to make this mean something again in my opinion this has fallen to like third or fourth on the depth chart of rsl rivalries behind guys like sporting kansas city seattle portland la la i don't know this one's fallen a little bit for me and i want it to come back to what it once was and colorado's good again and i think that's going to help this rivalry but oh my goodness pablo pablo understands it pablo gets the narratives he really does pablo ruiz that is yes and and master but yeah yeah i loved his celebration loved it awesome 100 percent do it again yeah, I agree with you. Um, there is something to be said about kind of the intensity. It's tapered off a little bit. As Dunny said, he was surprised that the fans weren't booing at the end of the game as Colorado didn't seem to really be going for the win in that one, which is a little bit shocking if you're asking me. But, um, you know, the teach their own. But um, Yeah, last one, thing I got on this game oh, before we get go off it. it. Yep. Um, I did ask in the post game just kind of about our chance creation. We've gotten pretty blown out of the water in the last three games. We've put mm-hmm. six shots on target to our opponent's 18 which isn't great. Granted, Mm -hmm. we have been missing pretty much all of our offensive weapons. And I posed that question in pretty much that same way to Pablo Mastroeni in the postgame, and he chalked it up pretty much to injuries. Losing Bobby was a big thing, Mm -hmm. and it's probably going to continue to be, unfortunately. And I think the only answer to see this tide kind of turn to seeing RSL be more attacking is unfortunately getting healthy, because I just don't know where chance creation comes from on this roster. You're asking... Pablo Ruiz and Everton Louise to be the creators in this game, essentially. And then you've got guys on the wings like Michael Chang and Justin Miram, who Michael Chang historically and statistically overperforms in chance creation, but as of late, hasn't done much on the score sheet. So it is right. kind of a prove it thing for me at this point. And if we're going to play with the width that we do in our front three, both in the three, four, three, and the, I guess this was four, three, three. Yeah. You need to have better chance creators out wide. And so if the roster doesn't really allow for that, maybe we go more to a four, four, two, which we did kind of at the end of this game where Pierre Reedy drops in on the left wing and Michael Chang on the right. And then Dami and Sergio were playing up top. Maybe Mm. that's what we go for going forward. And I think that could help a little bit to have two center or two center forwards to occupy the center backs. But that's kind of my last thing from this game. Our chance creation has been a little bit worrying, but we have come away with results in these last three games. Sands, Sporting Kansas City, so I think it's not too much to worry about yet, and obviously injuries do play a factor, but that is something to keep an eye on, and that question came from Cody on Twitter. So he asked a really good question, and I think it is something I want to see fixed, and not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that we can change in just a week, and we're going to be out shooting guys a lot too a little, but Colorado had 16 shots in this game. You know, only six on target and they didn't have any super, super clear cut chances that they didn't score. Yeah. So maybe it's not 
you know, the first thing on the coaching staff's mind, but I do think it's important to be cognizant of going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive production, I think, is extremely important. And, you know, with with injuries, it's tough to deal with. Um, one thing I will say is a, a good point that was mentioned to me on Twitter as well um, is, is where was Rubio Rubin in all this? We know he went 60 minutes with the Monarchs a little while back, and he's been in practice for quite some time. So it was a little shocking to kind of not see him. Um, we will ask Pablo about if we get an opportunity to this week in training, kind of see what's up with Rubio Rubin. There. I asked too many questions in the post game, and you didn't. Oh, get that's a totally chance, fine. And I apologize. I'm sorry. No, totally <laughs> fine. Totally fine. We'll figure it out this week, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated and let you guys know. Um, all right, let's go ahead now and preview Real's next game. It's going to be a game at home. So finally, Real gets to come back home. Play this game against Toronto. It's going to be April 9th on Saturday this week at 6 p.m., I believe. And uh, will be a, a fun one. Hopefully, we can get some guys a little more healthy. We're going to kind of preview this game now. And uh, before we preview it, I want to add something. Okay, Alex, I'm listening. Do you remember what score I predicted for the Colorado game last uh, week? Oh, no. I remember mine. Mine was 3-1. Yeah. Some years wasn't 1-1. Oh, yes, it was. It was oh, dang it. Brutal. Got it. Brutal. So, We've got to start I, keeping track of these. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I was able to somehow magically uh, guess this game 1 1. I obviously didn't guess the goal scores way off on that, but you know what? I'll, I'll take my win where I can get it. So, 1 1. I'm on a bit of a hot streak um, for this <laughs> next game. <laughs> Every streak starts with one, baby. Exactly. It's got to start somewhere. Uh, for this game against Toronto, I'm going to predict a 2-1 to one win for Real Salt Lake. I think they win the game at home this week, um, and I think that after a little while, after a couple of games of, of not getting a win, I think they're going to be hungry for it, especially playing at home, hopefully with some guys coming back from injury. I think they got a really good chance to win this game, um, and I think we might see Domi in the starting lineup, which is something we might talk a little bit more about today, but... Um, yeah, I think they've got a great chance to win 2-1. I think Domi's a guy who scores a goal in this game. And uh, you know what? I, I think the other goal comes from Justin Merrim, we'll say. Um, okay. Alex, how about you? What do you think That's, in this that game? That is a Total Soccer Show very specific prediction. And just I want to set the groundwork for this a little bit because I want us to yep. genuinely keep track of these predictions throughout the season. And this is what yeah. I've formulated in my mind so far. And this is how I want to pitch it to you. Okay. So each of us makes a prediction on the result, and that's worth one point. Okay. And then we make a score prediction, and if you get that right, that's an extra two bonus points. So for okay. this Colorado game, you would have scored three points. One for getting the result right because you projected a draw. And then two extra points for getting the score right. Does that sound fair? Yeah, that's fair. Let's do right, it. I love that. I'm going to go back and listen to the other episodes and find out where we're at on the standings, but I think that's going to be fun. I can tell so, you I didn't, I didn't predict any of the other ones right, so you don't need to look at mine. I but. think I got the predict. I think I got, I don't think I've gotten a score prediction right, but yeah. I, I got a result, result right. Okay. For this game, however, for my prediction, I am a little bit worried. We have scored in our last three games, we've scored three goals on six shots on target. 50% conversion rate with shots on target to me does not seem wildly sustainable. And it does mm -hmm. seem like a problem. The schedule is about to get really difficult. Yeah. Presumably NYCFC is supposed to be good, but they played pretty horribly to start mm -hmm. the season. But I would not be stunned if the goals start to dry up a little bit. Okay. Bobby's not going to be healthy next week. I don't think Rubio Rubin, as you said, I'm curious too, as to why he didn't come off the bench. I had that question written in my little Pablo question section, but I didn't get to it wild i had three questions and i didn't get to. but uh that is that is a concern for me luckily we're at home where you know obviously we play a little bit better but the i just don't know where the creativity comes from 
you know, Johnny Menendez is out long term. Okay. I think his injury is said to be month to month. It was the same thing Rubio Rubin was out with to start the year, the adductor. And so I am a little bit worried. I still don't know that Dami's ready to go 90. He didn't get, you know, a full 45 in this game. I think he only played what, like 25, 30 some odd minutes. Yeah. And I just don't know. Cordova doesn't seem like a big chance creator guy. I'm not sold on Michael Chang in the same way that I was to start the year. So I don't know. Toronto played a really boring two, one win. It was, I don't know how you can have a boring two, one win, but it was, I watched the whole thing against NYCFC today. <laughs> They're a dangerous team, but man, I just don't know. This one's tough because Eastern conference opponents, you just see them so rarely that it's hard to really have any game plan going in. What'd you guess a two, one win for RSL? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love Hazel Orozco so much that I don't think he's going to let in a goal. I'm going to say RSL win 1-0. Yeah. I'm going to say RSL win 1-0 off of a Sergio Cordova header. Okay, that's fair. I thought you were going to say Hazel Orozco header for a second. I was like, (laughs) I I wish I was that confident, but unfortunately (laughs) I'm not. That's fair. That's fair, though. Um, I think Demir Krylock actually gets in the starting lineup. His minutes have just been building lately, and so I think he actually gets the start in this game. It's possible Cordova, Cordova comes off the bench a little bit later and gets that header like you're talking about. He has been good off the bench this year, so that would not surprise me at all. You're asking about the playmaking, and I completely understand your worry. However, I think if somebody can get the playmaking going on the team... It's going to be Justin Merrim. He's going to be my guy to watch in this game. I don't know. It's a little worrisome. I I feel you. I understand. Justin Merrim, he's old. He's exhausted at this point. Blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) you know what? Justin Merrim's passes have looked so good this season. I asked him about that in the postgame presser for this last game against Colorado. And I said, you know, what do you kind of attribute this ability to get the ball into the box and have such pinpoint accuracy on some of these crosses? Because he has. I mean, some of these passes have been completely, perfectly on point that he's put into the box throughout the season. So I asked him about that and he said, you know, it, it's kind of he more attributes it to not having really any designated players on the team this year to take a lot of the penalties, a lot, or I guess a lot of the set pieces, the corners and whatnot. And he says, it's given me the opportunity to do that. Um, he says, Pablo has a lot of confidence in me. And he says that, you know, I've always had this ability in me. I've always known that I can cross very well. I've just never really had the chance. He said, like, this is the first time in his career where he's really had an opportunity to consistently do that. Um, with that, right, with confidence, we're seeing it from Zach McMath. It can do wonders for you. And so I think that Justin Marion will be my one to watch for this game. I think he has a really good game, gets on the score sheet even. Why not? And, um, you know, creates a lot for Real. So we'll see. Uh, I love that. I love all of that. I think your optimism on Justin Marion is something that I don't necessarily parallel, but I don't think it's totally unfounded. And I appreciate your enthusiasm. And I want to add one thing on it real quick as well. Um, I'm going cre- to credit Mig Van Dyke from the RSL PR team who gave me this little tidbit of information. If you're wondering why Justin Merriam looks like a new person this year, which personally I have wondered that last year, I thought he looked a little slow at times, a little off this year. He's looked very good, like a new person. She said that he's actually been taking much, much better care of his body. He's been staying after practice, continuing the workout room. He's been working out a whole lot. 
He's been actually on kind of a, a diet type thing, not necessarily like a strict diet, but he's been taking a lot of advice for Demir, from Demir Krylock on how to better take care of his body. And I think that that has specifically led to improved play from Justin Merrim this year. So okay, that's just actually a little piece an awesome of tidbit that Demir is like <laughs> leading the team on dietitian yes. information as well. I think that's awesome. That yes. dude is captain material through and through that's awesome good little yes, insider info from you ethan look at you digging up stats <laughs> and narratives and storylines i love it that's Thank awesome you. you should totally be the guy to watch for that yeah you earned yeah. that right on. Yeah. awesome but this game will be awesome you know we're, we're still depleted at center back which is an issue but what you are know, you talking about we have the best center back okay. in haziel arosco yeah but who, who comes in here. and plays center back in the like 70th minute of the game when we need a sub and like Marcelo Silva's toe is bleeding again or something. Why like, would you put that into the universe, Ethan? I'm just, I'm just saying the depth isn't great right now, but it and how dare you like shame the depth <laughs> of Bobby Pierre, RSL okay. Academy and FC Strasbourg in France legend. He came in for the Monarchs and the Academy and played with the first team in practice. And he looked fine he didn't actually you know yeah. look great to do a lot <laughs> but how dare you test our depth at center back and put into the universe that marcelo might go down but yeah i, I no, i i i think that um the depth isn't great but yeah you're right you're right you're right i was just the, the play's been great which is nice so hopefully we can stay healthy didn't look like anybody actually really got injured in this game which is like a miracle in and of itself so it did we did seem to get out healthy but yeah. how dare you also <laughs> ash on the center back prowess of now healthy nick beesler just okay. kidding. I also don't want to Jeez. see him as center back either. Our center back is really bad, as you said. Yeah. But my guy to watch in this Toronto game, and I haven't given this too much thought because I, well, you know, that's kind of a lie I have. I just didn't want to give this answer. It's Zach McMath. And yep. that's because I have been so completely and entirely in full totality wrong about Zach McMath. I thought, and I don't still think this, and you know, that's hard for me to admit, but I thought his early season minutes should have gone to Jeff Dusnip, an academy guy. He was injured, so that really wasn't an option anyways, but I was nervous to see Zach McMath and he's proven me and any other doubter he had wrong at pretty much every stage. He's been fantastic. I mean, yep. there's no other way to slice. He's been very, very good and his distribution is getting better. And I just didn't think that was a step I thought he could actually take. It's just, you know, he's an older goalkeeper, seasoned goalkeeper. I just didn't know that that was... You know, at times it's never been great for RSL, his, his play out of the back, and I just didn't think that it ever would be. But he has genuinely improved and gotten a lot better in that regard. I also think he's a big locker room leader. We've seen him wear the captain's armband this year. So glad to have his meteoric rise and rebirth happen in 2022 for RSL. I didn't, I just didn't think it was good. I didn't think he had this in him. And so he's going to be my guy to watch for the game against Toronto because I do think going up against a Pozuelo, we are going to have probably a disproportionate amount of shots against us again. And I think he's yeah. going to have to continue to be big to get a result, which I hope we see because, you know, I want to take the lead in the standings unless yeah. I already have it. Then I want to keep the standings of the Alex and Ethan prediction. We got to come up with a good name for it. I was trying to really <laughs> just go for it and have one come out, but I couldn't get there. But yeah, He's my guy to watch. I think he's been fantastic. And I think I have been completely and utterly wrong about him. And I love to admit that. And yeah, that's my guy. I really like that take. I think it's a really good point, and uh, we'll see how McMath does this this uh, weekend against Toronto. So make sure you tune in, watch the game. If you aren't able to be there in person, it'll be a really exciting game. Saturday, 6 p.m. at the right. You don't want to miss it. 
Um, for oh, me, also, I, I think that's game, a, yeah, my, go for it. My team that I coach, my Cottonwood FC U12 boys, are going to get honored pregame for winning our Rage Tournament in St. George. Nice. If you see that on the big screen, know that your boy put in a lot of hard work. Just kidding. They did a lot of work. I just pretty much showed up and, you know, gave them what to do or whatever. They did a great job. But yeah, so if you see that pregame on the Jumbotron, and I don't know, all my, unfortunately, all my players are out of town. They're supposed to be like honoring them, but they're all on spring break. So like pretty much everybody's gone. (laughs) They're not going to get to walk out on the field. But if they're on the Jumbotron and it says Cottonwood FC, U12 boys, Rage Tournament champions, know that that was us. And I'm so proud of them and they did a great job. Awesome. Well, keep your eye out for that. I'll keep my eye out for that as well. That's an awesome feat for your team. So congrats to them on that. Um, With that being said, I can't really think of anything that I've forgotten to leave on the pod episode today. Alex, how about you? Only thing I've got is that Ethan and I, your guides for this episode, Boom. were on the most recent episode of the RSL Soapbox Off the Crossbar podcast with Matt Montgomery and Kai Lipso. Kyle. So if you haven't, go give that episode a listen. It's a longer format, kind of looser. We get to actually talk about social activities that we do. Ethan and I found out that we're both Survivor fans. How did we not know that? Yes, yeah, sir. it was a great episode. And we learned on that episode that Matt Montgomery does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, Matt, if you make it to this part in the podcast <laughs> and you send me a text with the timestamp right now, I have got a crisp $5 Venmo for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody tweets him that and gives him a tip, it doesn't count. But yeah, that's all I got. That's hilarious. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. Um, like Alex hinted towards, we, we had a collab just recently this last week with uh, Off the Crossbar, which is a fantastic collab opportunity. Um, also, keep your, your guys' eyes peeled for opportunities that will be coming up in the future um, for this podcast. Um, we look to be hopefully getting on and talking with some other people from different organizations. Um, I, I talked with Landon Southwick today. There might be something in the works there for him to uh, potentially come onto our podcast, which would potentially be awesome. do something. So yeah, that Instead would be awesome. We'd love to minute, have Landon we could on. have like a monarch hour. He was also exactly. recently on with Off the Crossbar. Well, I guess they did a new. It's called the Inside Look with yeah. Arsenal Fox. He did an interview with Lucas Muller. It's awesome. Go give it a listen. Yeah, go give that a listen. It was an awesome uh, interview, and we'd be excited to have. Yeah, him I'd on, love so. to have him on the podcast. I yeah, like. He's awesome. It would just be so cool to tap into that much monarch's knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well. I think that's it on the podcast for us today. So um, thank you very much, Alex, for providing all of your insight today. And Mm -hmm, thank thank you you all for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate your time and your guys' dedication to listen to the full, what is it up to, 46 minutes now of the podcast. So it was a tight one. We got a lot of very much for your time. Yes, we did. We did. A lot of information packed in this episode. Really hope you liked it. And uh, thank you all for your patience sitting through and listening. And that is all for Alex and I. We will talk to you all next week. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.